0: Fabulous WSUM Madison Studios, it's Do It Live, hosted by the Do It Geeks. Today's topic is adaptive technologies and accessible computing. How you can get on the information superhighway no matter what kind of vehicle you might have. Joining us in the studio from the Trace Center, at University of Wisconsin Madison, Greg Vanderheiden, along with our regular geeks. Ty Christian,
1: Teresa Saldana,
0: and Adam Wiesenfard. And now, broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and streaming worldwide on WSUM.org, please help me welcome my co-host, Ty Christian.
2: Good afternoon. It is Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet, in the universe, or Beyond. I'm Ty Christian, and thanks very much for tuning in with us today here on Do It Live, the most connected radio show. If you have a uh, tech query, a tech question, or something to talk to us about, please give us a call at 608-515-8768 or email us at radio at Today, we are talking about accessibility and technology, and uh, as with me as always, you know, our wonderful co-host here, Adam. How's it going, Adam? What's up, Ty? How you doing? And Teresa, Saludania. What's up? Not much. All right. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a busy week for everybody.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's been busy.
2: We'll front load
1: that. Well, I'm sure it's been busy for all of our listeners too. Oh gosh,
0: yeah, Yeah. almost finals.
1: finals,
2: Dun dun dun. Which
1: I know has started already. Yeah,
2: I have a bunch of people who are just doing papers like crazy. You know, they're bags under their eyes. Don't talk to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk to me. Cans of Red Bull littered everywhere. Yeah. Oh
2: no. Man, can you? I mean, thinking about how expensive Red Bull is, you know, now that everyone has a caffeine habit. (laughs) Yeah <laughs> uh, finals week must be extremely expensive for most people.
3: So, <laughs> In yeah. case I'll, I'll, of
2: red Bull I mean geez. When I was
0: here and a student, one of the things mm-hmm. that went around was making coffee with water Joe. As a way to
3: joe. Uh, oh yourself my. Stomach. Oh, you mean the caffeinated water? The caffeinated water. water. Yes.
1: Caffeinated the, water. The, the oh water. my
2: gosh, that's like a triple dose of caffeine there.
1: Well, they didn't have Red Bull back then. Yeah.
2: Well, I guess. <laughs> back,
1: back in the day. You
2: just had to add some sweetener to Water Joe and then you got Red Bull. Put a little carbonation in it. Wow. Put some taurine. Does anybody even know what that is? I don't even know what that is. It
1: comes from Tauruses. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's all right. All right. Anyhow, anyway.
0: So uh, as always, we like to start off our little radio endeavor here with our lovely news.
2: Teresa Saldana. With the
1: news. All right, so we've got an update on Sony for all you folks out there, Uh-oh. Sony, especially for those of you who may have had your uh, <laughs> credit card information compromised. As unfortunate people who As paid the- six
2: hundred dollars for a PlayStation and then lost all of their money. I'm sorry, we didn't play that live. Oh.
3: Oh.
1: oh.
2: Yeah. So what's the update?
1: So what's going on right now is obviously they're trying to get to the bottom of of what happened, mm-hmm. who's to blame, mm-hmm. and Sony is blamed. Anonymous, the group, the internet group Anonymous for at least partially for the attack claiming that their their, uh, DOS attacks uh, caused Sony to be uh, distracted and vulnerable to <laughs> <laughs> to the hackers, whether or not they were oh, they, they were also from Anonymous. That's
0: oh. the actual story,
2: <laughs> really. That, that they mm-hmm. they've been distracted by Anonymous trying to do bad. They things
1: They were to dealing them. with this with these DOS attacks. Then I will so. officially
2: come out and blame the entire internet uh, for my bad <laughs> grades in college. I was distracted <laughs> by the internet and could not study. And they that, are to blame. That is not intentional. Intended as a factual statement. Right? Class action so, lawsuit. But anyway, I can't believe it. Really, they're they're yeah. saying that
1: they're blaming Anonymous, and then Anonymous responded and said, uh, "No, and we don't steal credit cards."
2: Yeah, I, I mean, nothing in Anonymous's MO would ever, ever lead them to like ad- identity theft. But or, they're an easy
1: target because well, of they're anonymous, they are. and it's just yeah. a big, you know, cloud-like entity. Ooh, Anonymous did it. Yeah, yeah. I, it so
0: doesn't quite make up for. Sony's it doesn't. Shortcomings but I also read or... in
1: an article that Sony, as of this point, um, hasn't received any reports from the major credit card companies that any of the cards that were supposedly compromised have had any fraudulent charges on them.
2: Well, you know, they're probably, all of that information right now is probably so hot that, you know, the second, uh, it's it's such a large amount of information that the second mm-hmm. somebody tries to use that information, mm-hmm. uh, they're probably going to, the government's probably going to uh, crack down on them so quick, you know. That's true. I don't know. Uh, it, it's too easy of a target, and I,
0: yeah. again, it, it might have been somebody who was just going to see if you could exploit this mm-hmm. and not actually having nefarious purposes. It's mm-hmm.
1: entirely possible that the information wasn't stolen at all. They apparently found a, a file on their servers that was titled anonymous, and it said something like... We are, de- we, we are Legion, is what it said oh, in the uh, file.
0: Yeah, sure, whatever.
1: So, I mean, but anybody could have put a file yeah. in there that said Anonymous. That, that, I mean, that's the, the thing about computers is, you know, you could have found a file that said Anonymous did this, but it doesn't mean Anonymous did it just because somebody put that in there. Well, that's there. the thing about that's Anonymous, too. That's a great way to too, frame somebody.
2: The, yeah, that's, that's the interesting thing. thing about Anonymous, too, is that really, I mean, any one of its members can start up, uh, you know, a... Uh, a I want to say like an attack they can they, can, they right. can, do it anybody can do a call to arms there's no centralized leadership there's mm-hmm. no I mean you know there's consensus on things so if, mm-hmm. if, if an attack is not you know not not, uh, not valid or something people will not mm-hmm. join in but pretty much anybody could do it
1: but I mean so could any random hacker I mean that's that's, that's true. crazy yeah. Is, yeah. I think Maybe why they're putting blame on Anonymous is because it's a name. It doesn't have a face, but it's a name. Instead of saying, oh, random hackers did it, which would sound really bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anyhow, so uh, what else is going on in the week of tech news?
1: Uh, well, uh, talking about other security updates, Apple finally put out an iOS update.
0: <laughs> right on time. Yay.
2: For...
1: There, uh, yeah, my phone even dinged. It knew I was gonna talk about this.
2: You are talking about Apple. That's I will right. respond. My, yeah, so, we know where you are. So,
1: <laughs> I, for anybody that hasn't that didn't listen to our show uh, last week, or is uh, living under a rock, that is on living Mars. under a rock. Uh, Apple finally came out with an update to uh, remove the location tracking data, or at least decrease significantly the cache that's on your phone uh, for where. The different Wi-Fi spots uh, are that you've been around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so finally, the
2: rock that I'm living under is no longer on Google Earth. Is that that's what you're saying? That's true. Nice. You
1: have you have Wi-Fi at your rock. Well, of course I have
0: Wi-Fi on,
2: at my rock on Hidden Rock Boulevard. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So now there's this update. So for any of you folks that are worried that Apple has been tracking you uh, when they gather your data anonymously and and post it with other data, uh, so that it's you can't be tracked. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah.
3: Whatever.
1: You can reduce the cache on your phone by doing this update. And now it won't be sending that information back to Apple. It simply oh. stores it on your phone now. And right. I think it's not uh, storing it on your computer either because it right. was the concern that for the file on your computer that tracked all the, the Wi-Fi locations that you had been near in theory, someone could take that file off of your computer and figure out where you've been. Mm. Although it's not terribly accurate that would
2: be kind of that would be hard I, I would i would assume that would be quite a you know quite quite a feat for somebody to do mm-hmm. you know greg i saw you had an iphone what do, what do you what's your stance on the whole tracking you going around stuff
4: well, i think it's <clears throat> really interesting the the tracking has a lot of uh, obviously uh, benefits that you can use it for but the idea that that there's data records just being kept of every place you go everything you do um now most of us, you figure, well, there's no problem. You know, what, what does it mean to us in our lives? And mm-hmm. who, who cares if we know where we're going? But um, I just the whole thing of um, when there's this much information available. The question comes back to who is it available to mm-hmm. now? If everybody mm-hmm. had access to everybody's information, yeah, we'd have a really strange world. But at least it would be a, a level world. <laughs> right. But if only the people who are really good at or have enough money to get at uh, information have it, then uh, over time that can be used in uh, lots of interesting ways to isolate you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's crazy. That's right. All right. What else? What else is on the old news docket today?
1: What else is going on?
0: Well, they're talking about 3D chips. 3D transistors,
2: 3D chips. Yeah, Intel is unveiled. Didn't Doritos come out with that a long time ago? <laughs>
1: 3 Oh, it's, listen it's, to you. Womp, womp. Do you remember? Because was, it was those chips that sure. they didn't they come out with some different ones for a little while there that they actually they like, didn't. No, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, that's exactly
2: yeah. what I'm. They called them 3D chips. I'm I, <laughs> Google this, guys. Go to go to Google. Type in Doritos 3D chips. This, this is exactly what I'm once. talking about.
1: I remember eating them. They, they were, were not really good.
2: that. Well, they were okay. If you ate them, terrible. I mean, you could have a few of them, but then if you ate them. a lot you just kind of felt weird how
1: is that any different from normal doritos well you could
2: you can okay i can eat an entire bag of doritos nacho (laughs) cheese chips and i feel feel great Really? But like the 3D chips?
1: When have you sat down and eaten an entire <laughs> bag of Doritos? I,
2: I'm not going not okay. to comment on
0: that. Right. You're not going to comment? Anyway, a- anyway, back to the story. Yes, Intel has ale- unveiled its new 22-nanometer manufacturing processes, and what they're debuting is something called the Trigate Transistor, uh, which they've been working on for several years, and it's part of the whole uh, Ivy Bridge uh, rollout, which we talked about a couple weeks ago when that was uh, on the docket here. And basically what it is is they're starting to build – microchips, not only, you know, horizontally, but also vertically so that you can actually get you know, s- space off the board and use the third dimension because mostly people have just been doing two-dimensional circuit traces, and it's what they call the world's first 3D transistor. But they say that it will help them to actually catch up with Moore's law, which is that every what is it, year and a half or two years that you double the number of transistors or you double the processing power available. Right. To you. Sure. And okay. they're running
2: into they're running up against the uh, yeah, edge of that they're, right they're, now.
0: Uh, once you get much above three or four gigahertz of processor speed, you you actually hit the limits. Of, of some physics things that make it so you can't go that much faster but this, they say, will save half uh, the amount of power it takes to process stuff mm. and that will also help them in, in that goal as well.
2: So it's a processor within a processor. <laughs> Whoa. Uh oh! Uh oh! That was a uh, shout out to Inception out there. Do we have? Uh, do you have one last <laughs> news story you'd love to cover with us?
1: Well, since you were talking about 3D, we're actually going to go back in the other direction and talk yeah. about 2D. Yeah. Uh, with a, actually, Ty brought this up. The uh, a paper computer. Uh, yeah. Thin. It uh, uses e-ink. No, that, Gre- Greg was right? talking about this originally. Yes, a flexible e-ink display. And you, it can so it's like a it's so you like can a fold up paper it's like, phone. You could fold it up, yeah. use it as a phone, and you can t- turn the corners to uh, simulate flipping pages. Um, but the idea is that it would actually replace paper because it's so thin, and apparently they don't use any power uh, when you're not using them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, I'm looking at it here, and it I mean it looks like a regular. I mean it looks like a sheet of paper but it's well it's, it kind of reminds me of an and one of those Amazon Kindles or the you know the ebooks where mm-hmm. they have the e-ink. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody's seen those out there but it looks it kind of almost looks like well you know from afar it seems like an LCD s- screen but it looks mm-hmm. like paper when you have it up front. But
1: one you could peel right off the But yeah, device. you could
2: peel it and and just pop it in your phone and apparently they're bendable, they're you can fold it up. I mean, you know, we're talking Crazy Johnny Mnemonic stuff here going on. <laughs> you Johnny know. Mnemonic. Yeah, that I'm, is quite the reference. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out all the all the old references today. So nice. yeah, it's it's an interesting and, and it looks like they're still working on it. Um, when are they? Uh, they're going to unveil the paper computer May tenth at two p.m. at the Association of Computing Computing Machinery C.H.I. Mm. Uh, in Vancouver. So keep we'll keep on the radar for that and see if we can. Uh, Get an exclusive...
1: In the model. article, they claim that the, everything's going to look and feel like this within five years,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so if you folks at home can wait five years, you yeah. may get to see this technology. Yeah.
2: I can't wait five Sounds
1: years. Good. That is very exciting. I mean, <laughs> how, what would that do for where we work I'd Do It? Oh, yeah. Um, oh. Uh, all the pa- stacks and stacks of paper we have lying around, you mm-hmm. just switch to these. That's true. That's
0: true. Or, or if you had screens that flexed and didn't break...
2: Yeah, oh. or think about at the beginning of the year, you give your uh, you give the uh, uh, the freshman coming in like a single sheet of paper <laughs> and that's that textbook. has well, and, yeah, that has yeah. the entire textbook, or that has many textbooks, or that has sure. all of the knowledge base articles on but, our knowledge but
1: base. But does this talk about where the data is stored?
3: Yeah, that's a good. That's question. what I was wondering oh. because
2: oh.
1: it says it does everything a smartphone does. It stores books, plays music, and makes cell phone calls. But where does it store the data? Well,
2: you know, there's got to be—I mean, well, there has to be some sort of power going to it. So there's probably going to be like a, a little battery, battery yeah. reader, like,
1: like a docking station of yeah. some sort. Yeah, you, you
2: can fit 16 gigs on your thumbnail, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that you—you could just have a little slate. And in five years, harder section, you could probably fit, you know, 1,600 gigs yeah, on your I mean, thumbnail. Crazy. You
1: guys have seen that picture? What was it? I thought I saw it maybe a year or so ago on on dig and what they did was a comparison of what two megabytes looked like back in the 70s and then what it, what how large maybe they had to compare with two gigs or something today yeah and two megabytes of data which you know if you have an iphone right now i mean you're averaging somewhere between what eight and 64 64. just in your phone so we're talking about two megabytes not gigabytes Mm -hmm. and it was like the size of a I don't know, larger like a desk than, yeah, like a big old desk. yes and then and then now two gigs is, yeah, like Adam said you can fit it on your thumbnails. I've so. said
2: this before. I'm really excited um, when we get to the when we're gonna get to the point where uh, you know we get enough data where we can fit like you know a couple terabytes or maybe even you know 160 terabytes or something mm-hmm. in your on your the size of your thumb. and then you know we can just have like thousands and millions of TV shows and movies and stuff like just on your keychain. You know, that's going to be very exciting. I think
1: that's why cloud technology is so important um, to be able to stream data. I think we're getting away from this concept of storing movies and music at home that now Mm -hmm. it should be more Mm -hmm. of a subscription slash streaming satellite. I mean, however, depending on where you are, if you're in Uh, a car or whatever. Um, But I think that's definitely the way that we're headed. So these little sheets might be useful because you can just load up what you need Mm -hmm. um, from the internets. And then
0: e paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for all your news, Teresa. Oh,
1: sure. No that's, problem. Okay, that's
0: great. Uh, we did want to tell you we are still the most connected radio show on the planet. You can still. Still. <laughs> still as ever. You can email us right now, radio at doit.wisc.edu. That's radio as in what you're listening to at doit, D-O-I-T, division of information technology, dot W-I-S-C, Wisconsin, dot edu, edutainment. That's what we're here to do. And um, you can also give us a call right now in the studio, 608- 515-8768. That's 608-515-8768. And you can talk to Greg, who's our accessibility Expert, and we're going to be talking to him shortly. But Ty, we do have an incentive for our callers and emailers and chatters today. We
2: do. That... The person that calls with the most interesting call or suggestion will win a gift certificate to a place where they roast beans and make it into a beverage. It might rhyme with toffee. Yes. And there might be one on every street corner, so call in. It's <laughs> <That's> excellent. <laughs> But
0: um, we wanted to get started with our first guest. So with us, we have Sean Henry, and you're part of the W3C Consortium group, right?
5: I am, yes. And
0: uh, I I was just in a, a lovely talk about designing for accessibility that you gave. And the thing that I really liked hearing the most in it was that to design for accessibility isn't really a limiting factor it should allow you to broaden your audience and to reach more people right
5: yeah and in fact it's the opposite of a limiting factor so it broadens the the audience for your technology whether it's web or whatever the technology is and it also can lead to innovation so there's when you're looking at technology more broadly there's some really neat examples of um, things that we use every day In our daily lives, a lot of the aspects of the fancy uh, phone you have in your pocket right now are innovations that were developed because of uh, accommodating people with disabilities, of designing for human functional limitations. Everything from you know the telephone Mm -hmm. to the vibrate feature to the zoom feature, et cetera, et cetera. Sure,
0: and. It's in a funny way, the mobile devices are probably making this more relevant because the screen is smaller, so you fit less stuff on there. And you were talking about how people who might have lower vision need to blow things up on their screen. So you're kind of getting to the same place. (laughs) Yep.
5: There's a a lot of overlap between what we do for design for people with disabilities and what we do for design for mobile devices. It's a huge overlap. And another area of overlap is what you... is designed for older users.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And as you were saying, one of the ways that you become... Disabled or hey, I, I, what? What's the term? I'm, I, I, I I really because I don't want to offend anybody, yeah. and I, I, I. just don't know what the current terminology is. And
5: and you just did the right thing, which is just ask. Um, you just ask if you don't know. You just ask, and most people uh, really appreciate being asked. So th- there's a couple of different things um, in the United States. Most people do not like the word handicap. That mm-hmm. has a lot of negatives. Um, you know, most people do not like uh, uh, awkward euphemisms. The, best, the safest way to say it is to put people first. Mm-hmm. So it's people with disabilities, oh, you know, okay. avoid things like constrained to a wheelchair or, you know, victim of this or suffers from this or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I actually have a whole chapter in the book that's available for you online that talks about interacting with people with disabilities and talking about people with disabilities, um, to, just to help people get more comfortable. But the main thing is just to be respectful.
0: And what is your website? We can point people to
3: that. That's well, there's a problem. Well,
5: I, I have two different hats, yes. <laughs> so um, with my, my W3C hat on, uh, the, the website for the Web Accessibility Initiative is uh, w3.org slash WAI, and that's for the Web Accessibility Initiative. And then uh, on, on, on nights and weekends and vacations, <laughs> so, um, I've done some, um, have, have a book online and some other support material at uiaccess.com slash just ask. Yeah.
0: The other thing which I really appreciate about your talk is that technology, rather than being limiting, is really opening up avenues to people who might be differently abled or people who have disabilities to communicate with anybody and everybody, and it just makes it more easy to stay in touch.
5: To stay in touch, to get education, to get your groceries delivered, to buy a house, to research Uh, driver's license requirements for your child. You know, even though I may be blind, uh, you know, I still need to access the Department of Motor Vehicles site because I need to help my uh, daughter study for a test, you know, whatever. All these things are uh, available because of accessible technology. Mm -hmm. You know, I showed the video of Carl, who's an older gentleman. I don't remember how old he is, but and I was asking him, uh, when I did the video, can you, can you tell me all the, the things that, uh, that websites, and well, actually this was back when software do that are frustrating to you, that, that don't work well for you. And after a long pause, he said, "It's uh, the technology period is so enabling. There's so many things I can't do. He can't use his arms. Um, I can't stock grocery shelves. I don't drive. I can't do all these things. But with technology, I can communicate. I can study. I can work. I can live. Um, and with the web, that you can do so much more.
0: And you, it gives people who might not otherwise have a voice, a place and a forum and uh, a way to reach other people.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. And it levels the playing field in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, having the, the web accessible and having accessible technology. It's amazingly empowering. And there's all sorts of things that, that people couldn't do. I mean, just um, reading the newspaper, Right. So if you were blind, getting daily news was nearly impossible on your own. Mm-hmm. Now with, accessible, with web and accessible technology, no problem at all.
0: Um, so can you give us some of the, the tools that somebody might use to make the web or other technology more accessible?
5: Well, there's different um, strategies and different tools that people use. So uh, there's a lot of assistive technologies. Um, The one that's uh, probably the most common we talk about is screen readers. So if somebody can't see the screen, they're blind. um, Then they have software that can read out the information from the screen to them.
0: That's when you have monotone man reading things on the screen to you.
5: Yeah, the older the old, the older screen readers are, the the, the lower quality screen reader's voice is pretty monotone. In the one I demoed today, um, okay. some of them are really uh, are, are, are much nicer though. So. And then there's there's different things. Um, people who have low vision might use screen magnification software that enlarges the information on the screen quite a bit. If you have less serious low vision, you may use the settings in mainstream technology. So you don't have separate technology, but you use a zoom feature, the color contrast feature in your browser or the settings in your operating system to do that. Uh, So that's just an an example of some of the technology.
0: Something as simple as just zooming in on a web page, as I was doing over here while you were talking, can help somebody who might not otherwise be able to consume whatever content there is on a website have access to it and there's other cool things like say you're completely blind and you read braille there are technological devices where instead of reading the screen out loud in a voice it translates it into a a sort of
5: dynamic dynamic, braille display uh, dynamic
0: is what i was looking (laughs) for yeah something so it's it's sort of a braille strip that you might have down below your keyboard that can change and basically spells out whatever you would ordinarily be reading on a screen
5: yep exactly yeah it's pretty cool the technology is pretty cool
0: yeah so can you can you talk about some of the newer things like an ipod or an ipad and in what ways they might be used for accessible or to make things more accessible to somebody
5: there's a lot of excitement over some of the um, accessibility features in, in new technologies the iphone has a lot of very useful features for people with disabilities. It's um, the the basics are fully accessible. People who are blind, which is a huge deal. You know, at some at one point, you know, a few years ago, people said, "Well, you can't make a touch screen accessible to people who are blind because they can't see where to touch." And but there's in no fact, physical
0: buttons to. And feel. there's no physical
5: buttons to feel. Right, but in fact, um, it has it is very accessible. So that's really exciting. Uh, you know, another example is um, I talked about uh, Glenda, who has cerebral palsy and has a speech impediment, so she, she's uh, it's her speech is very difficult to understand. And I work with a ten year old girl here in town who is is also nonverbal. And Erica has a seven thousand dollars communication aid that is heavy and clunky and ugly, but now she's got the iPad. Mm-hmm. and Glenda uses the iPad, and Glenda's just thrilled with it because, and I can't remember the software, but that will translate uh, what she types um, or what Erica pick, picks as pictures and will, will say it. So that's it's a communication device. Now, instead of this big clunky thing, it's the cool... It's an iPad. You it, know? It's
0: something akin to what Stephen Hawking would use to create your his voice.
5: Similar technology, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but instead of being this awkward, expensive technology, it's the iPad. So I mean, when Erica, a ten year old, walks into the room, you know, instead of carrying this big, ugly thing, now she's got an iPad, and all the other kids are like, "Ooh, cool!" You know.
0: And it costs an order of magnitude less. Exactly. Than the order t- the other technology did. Yep. Yep. So in general, your message, which I really love, is that if you're thinking about putting a website up or you're thinking about putting out any sort of media or technology-related thing, you should try and broaden your view and think about everybody who might conceivably use these technologies, not not just the intended users, but that it might have applications to anybody.
5: It, it will, and it's important from a social aspect um, from a legal aspect, from a financial aspect, uh, from a society aspect, that we're making sure that when we're designing websites or other technologies that we're making it accessible. The basics of accessibility are fairly easy. Um, but it's something we realize, need to realize as, as designers, developers, or business owners, or professors, or whatever, that it's really in our self-interest to, to look at the broad range of potential users for our products.
2: And thanks very much, Sean Henry, for uh, all that information. Uh, We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we will talk more with our in-studio guest here, Greg Vanderheiden. Did I pronounce that right, Vanderheiden? You bet. All right, Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. All right, <laughs> give us a call here in the studio, 608-515-8768, or email us radio at doit.wiz.edu. If you have any computer questions or any questions relating to accessibility, we do have an in-studio expert, and those that call will win a gift certificate. So please give us a call, and we will be right back with more Do It Live.
6: With Madison, in the Morning. The whistles go whoop! Every Thursday and Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. It's that whoop whoop! Only on 91.7 FM WSUF. That's only in the morning. You supposed to be up cooking breakfast with somebody and so
3: that's like an alarm clock. Whoop whoop! Hello, I'm John Lithgow. Manatees
0: are unique among the most amazing animals on Earth. But they're endangered. We pose the greatest threat to their survival. Many manatees are
6: killed or injured by boats or other recreational activities. I'm a writer of children's books including one about manatees. And I believe
0: education is the key. You can be part of the solution. Please contact Save the Manatee Club right now. Call
2: 1-800-432-JOIN. Thank you. And we're back with more Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. And today we are talking about accessibility for people with disabilities. And in the studio here we have, we just so happen to have the forefront experts... On, on, uh, you know, people uh, on uh, accessibility on yeah, computers? That's correct. Gre- Greg Vanderheiden,
0: he's a professor in industrials and systems engineering and biomedical engineering. And also, are you one of the founders of the Trace Project, I presume? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Wow. Might. And And you do a lot of other things as well. I don't know if you want to tell one or two more, but I know you've got a litany of them. But
4: professional well, skateboarder and uh <laughs> no I was a pumpkin Well I chair the uh, W3C web content accessibility guidelines and uh also uh, as we'll talk about later uh have just started uh, uh there's an international consortium of individuals working on building accessibility directly into the internet and the infrastructure so that uh, accessibility everywhere, anywhere. So it's uh, just started up. It's in uh, Geneva, Switzerland.
1: Oh, wow. neat.
0: Nice place to take a vacation occasionally, <laughs> a working vacation. Uh, we were talking with Sean a little bit earlier, and I think the thing that I wanted to applaud you for is you've been working with Apple and Microsoft and other software companies uh, for years and years and longer than probably you care to remember uh, but we have now arrived where there's a lot of functionality and accessible technology built into your average Windows 7 or Mac operating system, right?
4: Yes, <clears throat> it's really the, the, the goal of course would be that we would build enough accessibility and that anyone could use any product that they picked up uh, just right out of the box. So right. That, uh, currently uh, some individuals the accessibility uh, can cost two or three times the cost of the computer oh wow. my goodness <laughs> because so, of
1: software and additional hardware they have to buy
4: uh, yeah or even just software sometimes and mm-hmm. um, but if we can build it in so that people can buy a computer and the uh, features etc that they need now some have been built in since 1986 uh, and 1995 and 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 each year, Um, Apple and Microsoft and, and of course, it's been in Linux, et cetera, um, have been increasing the number and the type and the diversity uh, and reaching out and being able to address more and more people
0: out of the box. So let's talk just for one second about 1995 because Windows 95 came out and you told me an astounding thing. Nine out of the ten accessibility features in Windows 95 were developed here at UW-Madison. Is that right? That's correct.
3: <laughs> Yay, go <us>. yeah <laughs> the, uh, yeah
4: the university of wisconsin has uh, accessibility built into um all of the macintoshes all of the windows machines uh all of the uh, uh, amtrak uh, ticketing machines they're usable even if you're blind mm-hmm. um uh the A- atms around the camera. atms um the uh, automated postal systems. so there's University of Wisconsin accessibility research of different types built into things all across the country. That's great. So yeah. tell us a little bit
2: about I, I, I noticed that you were uh, involved with the GPII, the global Pub- public inclusive infrastructure uh, project. Can mm-hmm. you tell us uh, the people that are listening out there a little bit about that and what's it all you know what what it's all about and that kind of stuff?
4: Yeah let's <clears throat> start with why it's needed. Um, we currently uh, have a situation where the Internet is really uh, very rapidly becoming not an optional access to the Internet. You, um, even individuals applying for janitorial jobs can find they have to apply online. Mm-hmm. But commerce, education, try to go to school. Think of going to the university or even a grade school now and not using any computer, not or, or accessing the Internet ever. Huh. Getting uh, email yeah oh, right. Yeah, um, I can't even so, I can't even fathom it actually. That's yeah,
1: right. I mean when when we were in school, I mean we would have sort of like uh, typing classes or some kind of just like a computing yeah. class yeah. where it was just like oh let's go learn about computers and then we put them away for the rest of the day and we use textbooks and paper. But now I can't, I can't even imagine. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's critical now. It's there just, are
2: probably kids bringing iPads to school now that are using them for their. Homework and all that sort of stuff. Huh.
4: Well, extrapolate a little bit out, <clears throat> and will there be any books? Um, mm-hmm. It can be so much less expensive to just give people uh, some type of an e-book reader, etc. cetera.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so everything goes this direction, but you or your child can't. Right. Mm. So what are you going to do? I mean, where are they going to go? How are they going to get a job? How are they going to get an education? Uh, How are they going to interact? How are they going to socialize? Uh, Even elders Mm. are finding that that, uh, services and and all sorts of opportunities uh, disappear if you don't have access. And so um, we need to figure out how not just to get um, access to those who are used to technology, like technology, and for whom there happens to be some assistive technology that works. But we've got to figure out how to get it to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But there aren't access solutions for all the different types, degrees, and combinations of disability. Um, we know the ones, and, and we marvel at the ones that are there. But somehow, we've mm-hmm. got to reach the rest. The solutions don't necessarily that we currently use don't necessarily work for all of the new emerging technologies that are coming out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, We have cloud computing got Web 2.0, we've got a million authors generating all these applications and and they're not necessarily making them in accessible forms. Um, We used to be able to provide access to, say, Windows and Office, and you were in pretty good shape. And nowadays, you go to school, you go to the job, and you have to access. On this campus, just in one day, you can end up on four or five different uh, systems in in different laboratories in the same day that you have to access and use. So we have to figure out how to do it. The solutions are too complex. It's just computers are complex enough, but uh, the uh, accessibility is getting very, very complex, hard to find, can't afford it. Uh, it's really good if you're connected or rich, but if you're not, <laughs> and you need to be able to access all the different computers. And so the whole GPII um, is bringing together uh, groups from all over the world. The team that's now working on this has programmers and designers on every continent except Antarctica. Wow. And Where nobody lives permanently. Well, but we were working on it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. The, uh, uh, and the goal is to build accessibility in so that uh, anyone could go up to any computer anywhere and it would change into a form that they could use it. No. And then to go from there to all the places we are taking these computer interfaces. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you've tried to go buy an oven. Go over to somebody else's house <laughs> not, and not use recently. their oven. Oh, no, go yeah. Go over to somebody else's house and try and use their oven. Go over to their house and try and use their washer or dryer. Or the the cooktop, your range. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, uh, the, Yeah,
0: you don't have buttons. You have these sort of touch pads. You have to do it in the right order, and you have to...
4: Okay. Okay. So Simple now, appliances well, think, are getting So now it. you're 90 years old. Right. And yours breaks. Yeah. And they, and they bring something in. How are you going to be able to use it? Um, mm-hmm. So we are running into, or you're traveling, and you have to be able to access all these different things. So the ability hmm. to have all of the technologies you run into, wherever you run into them, change. So the process is basically to start by uh, figuring out what kinds of things would make things accessible, make them usable, what kind of things would help if they were a little bigger font or if you can't see if it would um, talk or auditorize. Mm -hmm. And then you capture this and you store it. And you can either store it in the cloud uh, or you could store it because you're somebody who doesn't believe in putting anything up there because you don't trust anybody. (laughs) So you can store it uh, on a little USB or eventually we'd like to have it that you can just store it in your ring. So that's oh. not something, because if I put it on my cell phone or whatever, you know, I lose it. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. yeah. you know but I'm instead on years something old, you wear, I, I'm gonna yeah, it's get on my
0: ring. Get out my key ring here, which like I actually, you could even do
1: yeah. your glasses. So I have so my, then, my little or... USB
4: key now, which yeah. Right? I love. yeah. And uh, and you, you and if when you're 90 years old, you'll never leave your keys anywhere. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> not, well, see, that's the thing, but I don't want to get an implant, you know, with a little chip inside of me. That no, just no, seems no, I said very, the ring. You yeah, put the ring. I like that. That's very good. And so then I walk up to the thermostat and i touch it to the thermostat and it changes from the one you guys like that you can program 52 different directions to one that's up and is down just simple yes yeah. i mean think of this if you've not seen one of those you walk up to it oh, yeah. and it says 69 and you go oh that's too cold so you push the hotter and it works it goes 70 71 and mm-hmm. then it then it forgets it goes back to 69 mm. and you go Oh, what happened? So you push it. Now it goes up to 74, and you go, what happened? It's too high. So So you push it down, and they don't realize that it's actually changing back and forth between what you're setting it to, a thermostat Uh and a thermometer. And And so it's flipping the function, and this can Mm -hmm. be very confusing. Um, You could make it. When they go up to it, it does something very straightforward that looks like the world they're used to. Um, and just things like that. So it's kind of like sort of a universal
0: login, but it's more just changing the display and the parameters in which you're displaying content for exactly. a person in
4: particular right as a matter of fact one of the things you do want to do is you don't want to log in because you don't want to necessarily give up your identity in order right. to right. turn the lights mm-hmm. on or definitely to, or mm-hmm. to do something so the uh, part of this privacy and security are really a high priority on this well, and we would so, hope so <laughs> and so uh, one of the things is how can you have it so that a person can log in and but each time they log in they log in differently but what they log into the server knows it's them anyway, right? And uh, can then set the thing up right to, to match their needs and abilities. How big How big of a role does metadata play in accessibility? And Matt Rock, our producer, is asking if, if yeah. uh, metadata plays a big role in this. The uh, well. Uh, First of all, so people don't understand what metadata is. Yes, please. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, It's uh, metadata is data about data, so that makes it easy. So uh, basically, um, uh, for example, uh, we have all of the different uh, books um, that may be out there, and some of them may be in electronic form that would be accessible to you and some are not, or a movie that's captioned or not. So someplace we would store data, information, about the movie, which is data, um, and so you would know which ones were captioned or which ones were described, et cetera.
0: It's kind of it's kind of like the song title and author or an artist that goes along with an MP3 file. But then it also yes. would say that would be information about the uh, about the f- song, right? But then you could also have captions or descriptions. Uh, as well and that's another well that's also content it's not really metadata I guess right so
4: part of GPII matter of fact uh, there's a project called universal subtitles that's that's working on this aspect of it um, would be to if you get a movie and it's not captioned or described if there is one someplace Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you would be able yes you'd be able to to find it or you'd be able to bring the captions in and it would play over the top so that you'd have a captioned movie even though it wasn't captioned when you when you first grabbed it, mm. um, or if it's an event and it's not, you could throw it out so that it would be accessible. We're um, just uh, sending a proposal into the VA. They were looking for innovation grants around um, uh, veterans, and we have mm-hmm. a lot coming back with head injuries and and various types of sensory disabilities and things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that if it's accessible form, they could get it. If it's not. You could put it up and just uh, have crowdsourcing, so you could have volunteers out there. And I know a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily decide they were going to jump on to just do it for anybody, but they would be really interested in jumping on and providing captions or descriptions for a veteran mm-hmm. who was not, no longer able to see or hear a movie um, uh, and it was not It was an old one, so it wasn't captioned or subtitled. Yeah.
2: And with this, with this initiative, you know, all that sort of stuff, I guess, would be thrown into the cloud. Is that right? So even if it wasn't a veteran, you know, if, if someone...
4: Oh, yeah. And once it's done... Once it's done, it's done. And everybody done, can use done. it. Yeah. There's a whole huge array of the stuff that's already been done by others. And sometimes people do it for, for a loved one or for somebody else or just as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the goal is that you don't ever caption a movie well twice.
7: Okay. Now, some people
4: will do it as a bad job. Somebody do a better job, but but once it's been done once, don't caption that one again. And Mm -hmm. right now, they get captioned a whole bunch of times by people doing it for people. Um, But share that capability. Um, There's a a Bookshare is a program that does books and changes them into audio books, and Mm -hmm. that was all based around that concept. Instead of everybody making audio books for another person that they know and whatever, they once they made one, it would go up into this collection. Hmm. It was originally uh, came from the idea of, of Napster, and they were going to call it Bookster, and then they decided oh. not to oh. <laughs> because they're doing it all, and it's all uh, with the cooperation of the publishers. So this is all done uh, Above very board, very carefully, right, um, to make sure that it the people who need it and who have a right to it get it, but it's not you know just disseminated out to everything else. But it's called Bookshare, and, and it's really a, an incredible program for anybody who can't. Uh, read because of a disability of some type.
2: You know, and I, I was also thinking, well, I guess, while I was watching the video on the website, uh, which which is GPII.net, for those of you out there who are who are interested in checking this out, um, a couple of things I was thinking of, you know, uh, first off, <laughs> I thought with the whole changing displays, I'd, I'd recently gone on a trip to Japan. And, you know, man, if if something like this, would, you know, if I had a ring that I could put up to the to the ticket booth and just change it into English or change things into English, that would be super easy. You know, so maybe mm-hmm. not just people who have uh, disabilities, but you know, every, everyone could use this in terms of changing languages and that kind of uh, stuff.
4: Absolutely. The Universal Subtitles Project actually does not only uh, audio to captions, Mm -hmm. um, but also uh, language translation. So it's built right into this. And uh, even the personal preference things we talked about, you walk up to a machine, it changes to the form that you like with your Mm -hmm. settings and stuff. Um, I haven't met anybody who didn't say, well, is this only for people who have disabilities? You know, I mm-hmm. I would love it if every time I sat down at oh, a different yeah. computer, it it changed th- to the settings that I'm used to. Sure. So I didn't sure. have to try and figure out even which which side of the screen the menu is gonna you know slide out of, uh, kind of thing. So,
0: because you can have it standardized to say, well, I like my menu to be on the right, and that's where menus
4: will tend to show up. The 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 right. Not only that, but what apps are in there. Um, I mean, you could have uh, the whole uh, usability, preference kinds of things uh, follow you where you go.
2: I'm just wondering, too, you were talking about an oven earlier. I mean, do you think that, uh, I guess I guess this is kind of a silly question, but do you think in the future that all appliances and thermostats and that kind of stuff will have to um, kind of conform to this, this uh, technology? Is there any sort of standard
4: out there for the usability of, like, a home appliance that you know of? The have to. All right, let's take two kinds of have to. One of them is we go up and we pass a law that says everybody has to do something. That's a really hard thing to do because there's so much and things are so changing so much mm-hmm. that it's hard to write a law that's specific enough that you know what to do and that's not specific enough that it doesn't stop making sense 10 minutes later. Um <laughs> The, uh, you know, you say all things have to have a keyboard, blah, 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 and then you got an iPad, and you say, well, it doesn't have a keyboard, it's on screen, and you said the keys all have to stick up an eighth of an inch. How do I make it stick up an eighth of an inch when it's on the screen? Sure, you know, sure. right, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, on the other hand, you could say, have to because we demand it. I mean, users, um, it's the things that have, it, it, What we demand as consumers from a a laptop today, you've watched these things graduate, and and stuff Mm -hmm. that they sold us in the past, you try and sell a computer with the capabilities of a five-year-old computer and and nobody will buy it. So Mm -hmm. I think that people will find that this can make things so much simpler um, Apple's made an incredible amount of money out of making things just simpler and easier to understand And, and, that they and, have. and work together easily Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. and so I think that, uh, that that's where you're going to do The biggest enemy of it is not uh, commercial aspects But the competition where sometimes people don't want to work together I Because see. they always want to be the one who, who has it all So we've got uh, actually one of our last minute guests coming into the studio
0: here uh, Alice Anderson, she's with Do It And Alex, Alice, can you tell us a little bit about what you do?
7: I'm the Do It accessibility resource, and I'm the resource for the campus. So, can you
0: just tell me a few of the things that are available on campus to folks with disabilities who might want to have more access or better access to their technology?
7: For campus, the best resource for students with disabilities is the McBurney Disability Resource Center. It's an incredible group of committed people who are able to get the students the accommodations they may need. For example, if someone has a print disability, uh, they process differently or are blind and need to have their books in an audio format or in large print or in braille, the McBurney Disability Resource Center will make sure that that accommodation is there.
0: Is there something similar for faculty and staff
7: faculty and staff do have something similar it's a representative that works out of bascom hill and out of the equity and diversity office and again if faculty or staff need an accommodation in the ideal world they can go to their employer and there's not a problem but if the employer for example needs some help that office is um, in, in part of the equity and diversity. Also, some faculty and staff feel that they are, their job's going to be in jeopardy. And that, again, that resource is there to help them think through and work through what their legal rights are.
0: So we do have some information on our web about accessibility and the resources available. Where can people find that at? If
7: they go to doitwiscedu slash accessibility, we have a range of resources there. Also, the help desk uh, knowledge base has several documents that have been put up, and the knowledge base is.
0: It's at kb.wisc.edu. Yep, and you can just search for accessibility right there. And do you have any initiatives ongoing right now uh, within Do It with regard to accessibility? We
7: just finished a major initiative with the campus, which is to get captioning and transcription service. Uh, here on campus for the entire University of Wisconsin and the UW UW System and then we extended it to the Technical College. So it's a discounted uh, service that is incredibly uh, reliable and the the joy of that was the entire campus representation forced us to rethink there's no one-size-fits-all. There's a lot of different uh, file formats that are out there. Mm Uh, We're looking at extending, actually, that service to the entire Big Ten CIC group. Wow. Uh, What we're working on right now is a June 11th and 12th gathering of the CIC Accessibility Usability Group. It's being co-sponsored by the library, and we're going to be looking especially at uh, how to advise our CIOs on our campuses best practices for accessibility.
2: Alice Anderson, thanks very much. Kind of short but sweet here because we are at the end of another wonderful hour of Talking Tech. And, Adam, we've got a lot of people to thank, don't we? We
0: we sure do. Well, we must thank, of course, Greg Vanderheiden for coming in. Thank you so much. Yes, and uh, Teresa for doing fabulous news as always. So thanks, Teresa. Sure, no problem. And, of course, we'd love to thank our management team at the Division of Information Technology, Perry Brunelli, Ryan Hansen, Edward Hoover, Brian Kister, Jack Leepak, Ty Leto, Neil Mack, Howie Mead, Mark Nessel, Brian Rust, and Bill Zimmerman. The Director of User Services is Kathy O'Brien. Dewitt's Chief Operating Officer is John Krogman. And our Interim CIO and Vice Provost for Information Technology is Joanne Berg. Today's broadcast was produced by Ty Christian, Sandy Cyberlick, and Adam Wiesenfarth. Our associate producers are Laura Grady, Teresa Saldana, and Nathan Cohen, with assistance from Dan Collins, Matthew Siriani, and the Nates, Harrison Weber, and Zastro. Our on air producer and director of e communications is Matt Rockwell, and our theme music is from Conan. The executive producer of Do It Live is Jesse Lagrue. Be sure to join us next week right here on 91.7 FM WSUM at 2 p.m. And also on our website at www.doit.wisc.edu slash radio. You can find our podcasts right there. And next week we're going to be talking about eBooks, e-ink, and the digital pub- print and publishing revolution. And we'll be broadcasting live from our HSLC satellite help desk and text locations. So we hope you have a good week. We'll see you soon.
6: Sleep next to me I like where you sleep.